2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, just the one verse for the moment. Everyone will know this verse, I'm sure, who have read the scriptures or maybe even in a meeting before. Usually it's a gospel service that this would be read in, um, but it's good for us believers and for maybe one who's not saved this morning. Therefore, if any man, it's a generic term, a man or a woman, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's read it one more time. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let us pray. Father, We ask you this morning that you would take your word, which is read so many times throughout our walk with you. Sometimes, Lord, it's forgotten or even taken for granted, but that you would take it this morning and make it like fresh manna to every heart, fresh manna to every person. We pray, O God, that you would speak to those who are maybe on the road a long time or a short time walking with Christ. Our Father, that you would take it to some who are here or watching live or later, who are unsaved, Lord, and they would hear their need of Christ. May they experience the new birth, to be born again of the Spirit, and to be washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb. So take my lips and use them this morning, Lord, the man of clay lips. We pray for your anointing to be in our midst and upon every head and heart. Bless every home that is represented. And now may thy word find a lodging place in the spirit of every person in this place and listening. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Paul says a little thing in this verse with a most important meaning and message. This morning, maybe you're a believer, and you know this verse, but you're a believer, and look, people could maybe pull you down, maybe even another believer. Uh, They have written you off because you've maybe failed, or someone has spoken wrongly or badly about you and against you, And you feel then that maybe the Lord wouldn't use me because of my failure or my fault or maybe even because of my past. People like to dig it up, to go fishing in the sea of it and it makes you feel like you are worthless then and useless when it comes to the things of the Lord. This morning we want to, God willing, look at some of these things We want your heart to be strengthened and encouraged because there are many who would love to see you fall. There are those who would want to see you crumble and when you're going on well in God, don't expect everybody to be pleased for you, happy for you or joyful for you, but rather expect others to be jealous of you and how you're going on in God. I want you this morning to understand that This is not in any way to um, excuse 
uh, any of us who live in an open course of habitual sinning, which we know is wrong before God. But it is for those who want to go on in God and who maybe feel, well, my life hasn't been great. Well, you know, you always have a new start in God. You always have a new start in the Lord. Well, I am saved, but I've failed the Lord. I'm saved and I've backslidden. I've sa- I'm saved and I've walked away from God and I've lived a life like this, that or the other. Or something's happened, something drastic and dramatic in your life. And even before you were saved, your past comes up with you and, and someone likes to just remind you of it too. They like to remind others of it too. And you just start to feel low. The scripture tells me this morning that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now in your walk with Christ, in your Christian walk with the Lord, you know, the old things of your life, of your past they're discounted, they're rubbed out, they're, they're gone in Christ. But what about when you're in Christ and something's happened? Well, does that not become old when it's been under the blood and the last few seconds has passed? Does it not go into the annals of history and time and you've repented and God has forgiven you and now you move on in newness again with the Lord? So Paul says a little thing with an important meaning and message, two words. In our verse this morning, just to make all the difference for us this morning when we look at this. Everything hinges and rests, even in this verse. Everything hinges and rests on two most important words. We can look at, and it isn't the words, new creature. New creature. That's the product. That's the finished product. That's the product of those who come under the blood. You're a new creature. That's not the words. All things and passed away are, are not the words that are so profound this morning either. That is the process. The process is you were once in darkness. You're saved. You're in the light. Some people were walking in the light of the fellowship of the gospel in Christ and they've chosen to walk in the darkness of the world. You can always come back to the light of the gospel, the light of life. But the, the, the darkness to the light from death unto life, old goes and the new has begun. That's the process. The new creature is the product. The old things are passed away. To become new is the process. But the two words is the position. Is the position. It isn't the product. It isn't the process. But rather it's the position and the possibility. And the two words are in Christ. In Christ. Now, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Christ. Not even in church. Not in 
the meeting, not in the marquee, the tent, not in Christ's encounters, tabernacle meeting. They're a new creature. No, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And hence the the most profound words in our verse are in Christ. Listen to Professor Charles Hodge in this little term, in Christ. Listen to what he he says. I quote him. To be in Christ is the common scriptural phrase to express the saving connection or union between him and his people. They are in him by covenant, as everyone was in Adam. They are in him as members of his body. Through the indwelling of his spirit, they are in him by faith, which lays hold of and appropriates him as the life and inheritance of the soul. The union is transforming. It imparts a new life and it effects a new creation. In a nutshell, this in Christ is saving union. You being one in the spirit in Christ. And what it does, it imparts life to us. And it is a union which transforms the life, transforms the heart, transforms the thinking. You become a a new creature, a new creation in Christ. It effects, E-F-F-E-C-T-S, it effects a new creation from the man and the woman. In other words, when you're in Christ, he makes you new. He makes you new. Are you in Christ this morning? If you are in Christ this morning, you're a new creature. Your old past is gone. Your old life is gone. Your old sins are gone. You're new in Christ. But to be new in Christ, we must be in the new covenant. In the new covenant. Will you turn with me to Jeremiah 31, please? Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse 31. And I want you to, as we read this, look at the word covenant here. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and they will, and will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Here the Lord says that I'm going to make a new covenant. In verse 32, he says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In other words, not according to the covenant of law at Sinai, Mount Sinai. But I'm going to make a covenant where the law was on tables of stone. It will be upon the tables of their heart. And hence, when you're in Christ, you're a new creature, for the law is written on the tables of our heart. And the Holy Spirit of God keeps us right in our walk with Christ. Notice here, if you'll turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 8. In Hebrews chapter 8, the the new covenant is rehearsed again in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, please. Just for time's sake. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, nor every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Notice, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And what the writer is saying here, the old covenant is gone. And in this time, when he's writing this in Hebrews chapter 8, as we have it, here he's saying the old covenant is decaying and is going to finish in the sense that the law will be in our minds and in our hearts, as the Lord had promised in Jeremiah 31. And he says, and I will be their God. He will be our God and he'll walk in us. He'll walk with us. And he says in verse 12, for I will be merciful to their own righteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So here's the old and the new. Now therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Will you turn with me just to Ephesians chapter 4, just for a few verses. It's more like a Bible study this morning. But Ephesians 4, please. And just let your eye, if you will, run down to verse 22. Paul writes that you put off concerning the former conversation, that is the former lifestyle, the old man. Notice the old man. Put him off, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
Paul here is saying, when you and I are in Christ, when you and I are new creatures, the old man must be put off. He must die. She must die. And the new man, the new woman, you're created new, so you should live new. Notice what he says in verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When Christ died for us, he gave us his righteousness and he took our sin, isn't that right? The great transaction on the cross. He bore all of our sin. Yes, even the sin that we commit today because the old man and the old woman still with us at times. You know, the old man and the old woman who maybe like to argue and fight, might might be a wee bit feisty at times when they shouldn't be. You know that old man and that old woman who might be grumpy and gurney? Do you know your worst enemy, brother? Your worst enemy, sister? It's not the devil. The devil's defeated. Christ is king. Every morning when I look in the mirror, that's my competition. That's my enemy. It is saying if our enemies threefold the world, the flesh, and the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So say the world got converted today, the whole world. And just say the devil dropped dead. You still have an enemy. Your flesh, your old man, your old woman. And, you know, a lot of times they win. They win when the Spirit is moving us for God. Sometimes the flesh wins over the Spirit. Isn't that right? We're being truthful this morning. And Paul says, put that off because you're in you. Look, you are created in righteousness. You're righteous before your Father. So we must walk righteous. And you're created in true holiness. Walk as the new man, the new woman in Christ. Do you remember when you were first saved? I don't know about you, but when I was first saved, and a lot of you know where, I'll, I'll, well, some of the stuff that I was saved out often from, when I was first saved, I felt clean. I felt Holy. I felt pure because the blood of Christ had cleansed me. I knew the first time when you're saved, when you're afraid to look out of the side of your eyes in case you let the Lord down. And as time goes on, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not really as important anymore. Yeah, grace will cover it. We sin because grace will cover it. Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Now we all feel. We all do. In word, in thought, and in deed, and in action. We all do. Thank God for his grace. Paul says, put off the old man. 
the old woman and put on the new man and woman. Look at Colossians chapter 3 with me, please. Colossians chapter 3. Let your eye run down to verse 9, please. Notice this, lie not one to another, saying that you have put off the old man with his deeds. All of that stuff, we should have a consciousness because the law is written in our minds and our hearts and the Spirit of God, he lives in us. He lives in me, he lives in you. And, uh, and Paul's telling us, lie not one to another, saying that you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. New creature. Yeah, you don't know. But you don't know the struggle I had in my past. I don't need to know. If you're not a danger to yourself or someone else in here, then I don't need to know. Unless you're a danger to someone else or yourself, then I don't need to know. Do you know why? Because it's been washed in the blood. And hence Paul again is telling us here, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man which, with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, we are to be Christ-like. Christ-like. And hence, all things are to become new. You're a new creation this morning. You're a new creature in Christ this morning. If you're a believer, you are new. You have a new start. You have a new life. You have a new beginning. For the Lord has said, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I'll be merciful although they have broken my law. Sin is the transgression of the law. And I will be merciful to their own righteousness. Now, if we say, Lord, you've said you'll be merciful, then we must believe in our hearts then. He who says he is merciful is obviously full of mercy. He's full of mercy. And so he must be in the new covenant to be a new creature. To be a new creature, you must be in Christ. Would you say in Christ? Christ. Would you say it again? So those who are in Christ are in, pardon me, those who are a new creature are in Christ and those who are in Christ are a new creature this morning because of the new covenant. Ephesians chapter 2, if you will, please. Ephesians chapter 2. Let your eye run down, please, just to verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ. Notice, without Christ. You can underline that. This is who we were. Without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Notice, Andre mentioned this around the table this morning with Without hope, we couldn't save ourselves. We have no hope of salvation. Having no hope and without God in the world. 
So we're without Christ, having no hope. We're without God. But now, but now, brother, did you hear it? Sister, did you hear it when the devil comes? When that person comes, when the trouble comes and the doubtings come, but now, would you say, but now? But now, that's you, brother and sister in Christ. But now in Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Thank God for the blood. I still believe there's power in the blood. I still believe in the power of the blood. So we're not brought, we were afar off being aliens. That word doesn't mean aliens from there. Being separated away. Like you go to a country and you, you can be an, an alien in the sense you're not from that land. You and I were far away from God, without the promises, without Christ, without hope, without God. But now, we're not without Christ. We are in Christ. I'm in Christ this morning. That's my security. I'm not in Christ because of something I've done or something I've become or something I've achieved or something I've been able to give. I'm not in Christ because of of, of something that I was able to go and muster. I'm in Christ because of what he has done. I'm not in Christ because of church going because I never went to church. I'm not in Christ because I came from a nominal Protestant family. That wouldn't save me. I was lost. But I'm in Christ this morning because he died for me. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Andrew read it around the table this morning. Brother, sister, can I ask you, and you can answer it in your own heart. When you realize these things in you, oh, but I know these things, but when you hear them afresh, when you hear them, does it not stir the heart? Does not encourage you in the heart. This is who I am in Christ. Our identity is very, very important, you know, because others would have you torn down. Others would have you put on the scrap heap because you've failed. Others would say you're unusable because, well, even you were a Christian and that happened. You're unusable. See the blood that we speak of here, the blood still cleanses from every sin. The blood still washes you clean. So all of us who are in Christ are washed in the blood. In 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, it says, Now thanks be unto God which causeth us to triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God, which causeth us to triumph in Christ. Uh, some of the, the scholars sort of try and work out what it means to triumph in Christ. And we think we know in our spirit, but uh, some of them say it means, thanks be unto God, which causeth us to 
triumph in Christ or who leads us in the triumphant one or leads us to triumph. Paul here who writes this, the foe of Christ was now a servant of Christ. Paul was a foe of Christ. Now he's a servant of Christ to be led in triumph This is what I've written here. To be led on triumph by man is most miserable. But to be led on triumph by God is most glorious. Christ the triumphant conqueror, now in Paul, leads Paul to be triumphant in him, in Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Good to hear the leaves of the Bible turning over. It's great to hear the rustle of the leaves this morning. Romans chapter 8, please. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now. When did he say? When did he say? Now. Right now. In Christ. Right now. There is therefore now. No condemnation. Where? In Christ. In Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, or who do not habitually, continually walk in sin, an open course of sin. Of course you'll have condemnation if you keep walking like that. People are, well, may wonder, well, what sort of fruit are they producing? If there's no change, Possibly no Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, notice, in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Because Christ has died for me and you, we're free from from all of that penalty. We're free from the penalty of death governed out by the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. There's nothing wrong with the law. What was wrong was with you and I and our flesh. Hence a new, a new covenant was made. But notice here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And this is the glorious triumph of the spirit over the flesh, over the old man and the old woman. A glorious triumph. Every time the old man or the old woman's coming up, brothers and sisters, we should be we should be leaning on the Lord and his grace and strength to overcome that fleshy lust to overcome that temptation, to overcome that mindset. Sometimes we all fail, but we we give up fighting at times. We give up resting on God at times and trusting in him. And what do we do? We become become maybe ignorant and we become hard and, 
and we become argumentative and we become nasty or we, we become all of these things. And that's the old man and the old woman or we yield in ourselves, we give ourselves unto the worldly lusts, the worldly things. And yet the Lord who is in you, you know because he's in you and you know the, the fight that's going on, the old man and the, the, the new man and woman. The spirit lusting against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And sometimes we're failing. Rather than fighting. Sometimes we're failing. Rather than fighting. I'm not condemning you. Please look at me. I am not condemning you. I'm here to help you. And here is your help. Will you go with me just to the end of chapter 8? Verse 34, please. Let's go to verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Not what we were on again, Andrew, around the table. God justifies declares us just as if we had never sinned. Notice this. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Listen, brothers and sisters, see when someone's condemning you. And maybe someone has been condemning you because of a sin, because of something you've done wrong. Look, get it under the blood and go on with God. And maybe someone's condemning you because of an event in your life, whether it's before or after salvation, or they've condemned you and they want to bring it up and stick it in your face just to make you feel bad, to make them feel big because they're so small. Read this verse, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? You see, we're all sinners saved by grace of God. None of us are able to condemn. Remember the woman caught in the act, not just in they thought this was happening, caught in the act of adultery. And the old Pharisees come. Do you know those old, old churchmen who like to come and say, <clears throat> this woman has sinned, you know, and she ought to be kicked out of church and put out of fellowship. This woman should be stoned. The Lord Jesus bent down and wrote in the ground and he says, well, one of you, any one of you who's without sin, let them cast the first stone. They weren't long getting offside. And, the, and God's word says, who is he that condemneth? Who does this person, who do these people, who does the devil think they all are, whatever it may be, who will condemn you? Condemn your striving to walk after God. Condemn you for reaching out to try and do something for God. They will condemn you because maybe God is blessing you. Condemn you maybe yourself and your mind and your heart and you just feel like, well, I'm not up to much. Listen, none of us are up to much. It's Christ in us who's the hope of glory. There's no condemnation. But who is he? Who is she? Who do they think they are to condemn you? It is Christ that died. 
Christ died for you. Christ died for you. Jesus died for me. And when the condemner comes, that's my only plea. Jesus died for me. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. Who is he that condemneth that is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, who shall separate us from, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or naked or peril or sword? In other words, Paul's given us a lot of stuff here to say, look, who's going to be able to take you away from his love? But God commendeth his love. His love stood with me when I was in the world. His love stood with me when I was in my sin. It was already exhibited and displayed and manifest on Calvary. I didn't know him, but he knew me, and he came to bleed and die for me. Brothers and sisters, sometimes when I think of those who would condemn, I think they need more grace than anybody else. The fallen short of grace. Maybe the fallen far from grace. They need grace if that's their spirit. Paul is saying here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If you were to do, for example, underline the first word in verse 33, who? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Verse 34, who is he that condemneth you? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's the who. Paul's asking who then? Condemn yourself at times, don't you? I don't think it's time you forgive yourself if you've brought it to God first. I'm speaking to me, by the way. I don't let myself sometimes think of where God saved me from because I get a guilt trip on it now. But I have to remember and keep bringing myself to the scriptures to say, but I'm forgiven. But I'm blood-bought. But I'm blood-washed. But I'm Christ's. I have to bring myself there because that's what the Scripture says. But your own guilt trip will, will cause you to plummet in, in your faith. You'll, 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 do, you'll, you'll achieve nothing because you'll think God won't use you. You'll achieve nothing because you'll think, well, I've, I've been too far away for too long. And, and, you know, God, it's a long road back. No, it's not. It's one prayer away from the heart and repentance. The father runs to see the prodigal son, sees him coming from afar, and the father runs. See, in Scripture, you don't see the Lord Jesus Christ running, ever. You don't see him running. You see him, you hear of him sitting, standing, walking, lying. You, you, you see him doing all of these actions, but never does he run. But when it comes to the, the parable of the prodigal son, it says, the father runs to meet the son. 
soon as you say, Father, not worthy to be called your son, not worthy in heaven, not worthy to be called your son. But if you'll receive me as a servant, he says, a servant, you're my child. He'll throw his arms around you. I don't care where you've been. I'm just glad you're home. We'll wrap this up in a moment and maybe I'll do part two, see how the Lord leads for next week. In Christ, brothers and sisters, notice this, the who's of Romans 8, verse 36. For as it is written, for thy sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. This is the, uh, the, the inseparable love of Christ. If you look at Romans 8 and verse 1, there's no, now there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You have no condemnation in verse 1. And in verse 35 onward, there's no separation. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded. That's the problem, you see. That's the problem with the Christian today because they're not persuaded. There's a whole lot of things we're not persuaded on. We say we're persuaded, but we're not. We're not persuaded that the Lord would forgive us. We're not persuaded that Christ will love us no matter what. We're not persuaded that there's no condemnation in me whenever I go to him. We're not persuaded that all of our past is gone. Why are we not persuaded when... But it is Christ that has died, Paul says. Why are we not persuaded? Paul says, for I am persuaded... Fully persuaded. The idea of this is to be filled to the brim with no more room for doubt. When you leave this morning filled to the brim with no more room for doubt. We would say, I've had it up to here. Well, what about having Christ up to here? I've had them, I've had it, I've had this up to here. What about having Christ up to here? Leave up to here full of Christ, full of the word. Having no whatsoever, no doubting, and being fully persuaded in Christ. For I am persuaded. I wonder sometimes how persuaded we are that sinners are going to hell. Because surely if we, if we are that persuaded, we would be out to reach them. I wonder how persuaded we are that we will all give an account for our life as Christians. Because surely if we were, we would soon live our lives to the fullest for Christ. I wonder how persuaded we are that we are loved by him with an inseparable love. We are not condemned by our Father because we're under the blood. Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, notice, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice the love of God, which is in Christ. In Christ Jesus. So verse 1 of Romans 8 is no condemnation. In the very last verse of verse 39, there's no separation. Are you persuaded yet? When Paul says 
in Romans 8 and 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This is the glorious triumph of the spirit over the flesh. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But here's what there is in Christ Jesus, emancipation. No condemnation, but there's emancipation. There's no separation. The emancipation means to set at liberty, to set a slave free. I was a slave to the world, and so were you. Slave to sin, and so were you. Slave to an old man, so were you. Slave to the law of God because we couldn't keep it, and so were you. Many Christians are still a slave in their mind. Stinking thinking. The mind is a battlefield. And it's where battles are fought and won or battles are fought and lost. That's why we're told to renew our minds according to the word of God in Christ Jesus. So this morning when you're leaving here, this is what I just jotted down. Jotted this down. I think it was late last night. In Christ. Now therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this is what I've written in Christ. Sin has no hold on me. Satan has no power over me. The great white throne judgment is irrelevant to me. The second death has no claim on me. And the lake of fire will never burn me nor the flames harm me. Because I'm in Christ. Because of what he's done. Because we are in Christ this morning. I trust this morning that the Lord has challenged our hearts. Comforted our hearts. Just this morning that maybe even convicted our hearts, cured our hearts for the glory of Christ. I might, and see, have a couple of ideas. I don't know, I'll pray about it. Let me do one more morning in that. I've quite a lot to do in that little verse. And I've just sort of skirted around the outside of it this morning. God bless us all this morning. God bless us all.